0: Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Deeper Still, a podcast where we carve out space for meaningful conversation about God and life as we seek to pay attention to the ways he calls us to go deeper still in relationship with him and with one another. My name is Sue Ann Canfield. I have the joy of being the host of this podcast and I'm so glad you're joining us today. I do hope you are doing well today. I mean that. I mean it from my soul. If you are listening to this in real time... It is August, which means it's that time of year when so many transitions are happening. We are wrapping up summer. We're coming home for vacations. We're trying to soak in some sun. Our kids are heading back to school. I know My husband and I personally are in the process of sending two college students back to two very different states, very far away from home, which is gut-wrenching, no matter how many times we have done it. And so it's all good, but I feel like these times have transitioned position when we may be feeling just a little off balance are also another reminder for us to just be mindful of what's happening in our souls, what's happening in the world around us, seeing what God is doing. And I hope that today's conversation does just that. Well, today on Deeper Still, I'm excited to welcome Jenny Wong Clayville to the podcast. Jenny currently serves at National Community Church in Washington, D.C., as the Weekend Experience Pastor. We're going to talk more about what that means in today's episode. And she is also part of the teaching team at the Northern Virginia location, which they simply call NOVA for short. Over the past two decades, Jenny has served at a multitude of local churches in a variety of positions, including worship and creative arts, first impressions, and even as an executive pastor. Jenny also serves on the leadership team of Leading and Loving It, as well as with Propel Ecclesia, both of which are nonprofits that support women in ministry across the globe. You're also going to hear why that's important today. Jenny is a lifelong learner, an unpretentious foodie, a more pretentious coffee lover, and a fabulous conversation partner, as you will soon tell. We cover all kinds of ground today, including church leadership, hospitality, diversity, what it's like to work alongside Mark Batterson, and why following Christ in today's polarized world is more important than ever before. So friends, whatever you're doing, wherever you find yourself, saddle up, settle in, and listen in as Jenny and I go Deeper Still. Well, Jenny, welcome to Deeper Still. Uh, So glad that you're joining us today. Thanks so much for being here. I love it. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, we were just talking before we came on air, just kind of uh, the nature of summer and all that introduces to our lives with vacations and travel and children who are in our homes, <laughs> and family members. And I know it's kind of been a little bit of a whirlwind for you as well. Uh, you just came back from some time with your
1: family, is that right? Yes, my grandmother turned a hundred and two. What? I know it's crazy. I mean, I wanna, I wanna be like this woman. So, um, I don't know. I say that, but honestly. 102 feels like a really long time to be on this earth. <laughs> so so I'm like back and forth about it. But yeah, we got to celebrate her life and just four generations is her and then my aunts cuz my father passed away a few years ago and then my my sisters and then our kids. So it was really cool to have all generations just kind of running around and mm. and celebrating life overall. Mm. So, it was a great time.
0: What a special time to be together and I feel like it's those moments in the summer where or moments in life but it takes a lot of energy to get the whole family together. You rearrange travel, you rearrange all these things. It's crazy. And then you get in those moments and you're like, you know what, these moments come few and far between. And so you just learn to kind of soak them in.
1: Yeah, totally. It's just fun seeing family together. And our family doesn't live close by. All of us are all over the place. So when we come together, just to see the cousins together is Mm. really, really super fun. So it's the best. It's the
0: best. And happy birthday to your grandma. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So it's something to celebrate. It is definitely
1: an accomplishment. Absolutely.
0: Well, Jenny, I'm excited for you to be here today, just because you and I have had a little bit of chance to interact. Uh, You were here, I met you first back uh, in the spring. You came, our church hosted a conference called Lead Bold, Mm -hmm. and you were one of the speakers. A lot of our female staff got to come see you. Uh, Your friend of Tara Beth Leach, who, uh, who we are big fans of here, I got to interact with you some. And I think most of our female staff just fell in love with you. I was scrolling your Instagram and saw that like everyone follows you now that for here. It was so fun. I was like, oh, look at all these my colleagues who are liking all your posts.
1: That means so, a lot. I didn't actually oh. realize like you know, people follow me and I I chat with them and I don't ever really know where they're all from. So that means a lot. Thanks. That's encouraging. Yeah,
0: well, good. I'm glad that's encouraging. So I feel like they are fans of you, and we're so excited when you come here to preach live in August. You're gonna have um not just lots more fans of you, but just another way, another perspective for people to hear the word and to encounter your story through that. And so I'm excited to introduce you to our congregation through this podcast. Uh, We have listeners outside of this podcast who I know are very familiar with you, but you're coming into a little bit of a new context here when you come to preach in a few weeks. And so the first thing I want to do is just give you an opportunity to share a little bit about your story, about who you are. I think one of the very interesting things about you is you have so much ministry experience. It's kind of crazy, all the things that you have done and the way that God has specifically kind of placed you and positioned you and grown you as you've led in the church. So I would love for you to talk specifically about kind of your ministry journey and where you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah. You know, I I got started over two decades ago and really it was, An accident, you know. I think we all start with serving, just being volunteers, and and that that at that time, I did not see a lot of women in leadership, women in pastoral roles, and so I remember when I was fifteen or sixteen, my mom asked me, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And the best concept what I had because I knew I was called, uh, but the best concept or the best context I had was to be a pastor's wife because that's the only way at that time that I thought I could do what I felt God was calling me to do. And, uh, you know, surprise, surprise, maybe not so surprised because God is God. As time went on, he just opened doors where I could just step in and serve in the capacity he created me to, to, to serve. And it was in more director and then pastoral roles. And my husband is not a pastor though. He is very pastoral in nature. He's just not a pastor. And so he does a the flip-flop. And so he's a, the pastor's husband, which is a little bit interesting at times, but, uh, but yeah, we just get to be a part of, you know, the community and we've been a part of many different churches. We started in Portland, Oregon and kind of moved our way. Our family moved our way uh, east and so ended in El Paso with a church plant there. And then we worked at, uh, I worked at Life Church for a while with Craig Rochelle. And then now um, I'm at National Community Church uh, with Pastor Mark Batterson, who is incredible and and we love it here. And yeah, it's just, I I feel like my life is a dream in in a lot of ways. I got really lucky with great advocates that have kind of helped push me, me, me forward. And not that there hasn't been challenges, but uh, yeah, I can't really complain. So yeah, getting to do a lot of things I did for 17 years uh, of my ministry was in worship. So it's funny cuz people now don't really know that and so when I hop up to fill in a spot and play the bass or play the keys or sing or whatever they're like wow you just have you're so gifted and I'm like well actually this is just what I did for the majority of my life and now I've kind of shifted into teaching and being more of uh you know the the other areas filling out the other spaces so yeah uh that's pretty much it I I kind of filled in some spaces where I've served as an executive pastor and some of my role kind of looks like that now, even though my title is weekend experience pastor, but I just get to help oversee how the weekend looks and, and what that kind of pours out for the rest of the week in our communities.
0: Mm. Well, there's so many directions we can go from that. And there's so many questions I do want to ask you, but I want to back up first and just talk about, you said something about along your journey that you have had people speak into your life to encourage you, to kind of push you in this direction where they have seen giftings in you and you I'm sure have felt your own calling and those, there's nothing better when those two things merge, right? When you are experiencing your own calling and people are speaking those words that, that kind of propel you in your calling over your own life. And I think as a woman in ministry, especially uh, as someone who maybe didn't have that model, you know, you can't yeah. be what you can't see. Yeah. And so I'm curious who or what, uh, either who are those people or what were some of those experiences you had along the way as a female to go from a place where you didn't see females leading to have people speak into you to a place where you felt like, oh, wait, I can do this. I, I can step into these places.
1: Yeah. I think I always, I I never questioned whether I could do the work or step into the places. I just didn't have a context in seeing a female in it, right? And so I think when I was in, um, when I was younger, I served in youth ministry and there was a female youth pastor that was kind of uh, co-leading with a male youth pastor. And I remember thinking, oh, that's cool. Uh, But it was a little out of my context because I was serving as a worship director. And so uh, it just didn't, it wasn't like a, you know, it was like apples to oranges a little bit in in that way. When I was serving as um, the worship director, and I was the lead in this actually. I stepped in and I originally started because someone was asking me to fill in and then I kind of I helped grow. I'm I'm extremely um, strategic and, and growth minded, and so I grew the ministry from I think three or four people. And by the time like a certain amount of time went by, there was a solid twenty volunteers. Mm. And so they saw that gift, and they kind they actually. Just released that in mirror and they brought me onto the the team. So I there wasn't like a position open for me, but they created a position. So I think that was the very first thing was they saw a volunteer and they saw gifting in in this young me and mm-hmm. um, brought me in. That now I would say there was like a high risk high reward there because. I was also kind of like a bull in a china shop. Like I, there was, a, I was, I, I mean, I, you'll get to, everyone else will get to know me, but you do know, I, I'm just like, let's go, you know, kind of a thing. And so, um, and less awareness when I was younger, maybe just, you know, <laughs> just spazzing out a bit. And so the high risk, high reward, there were a lot of people in place at that church in Portland that said we're going to take that risk because we see the reward that is possible. And I think uh, that's my biggest thing now is to see people in the way that God has created them. And it may not look like in the giftings that I have, but how can I help release those dreams, release those giftings and allow them just to go the way that God had created them and not get in the way? Uh, I have learned a lot on the way. I'm not and by any means, like the professional that knows everything, I just have a lot of experience. And my aunts and I were joking. They they were saying the other day. It was yesterday. They said Jenny's so good at so many things, and I said, "Yes, I'm good at many things, but I'm also like excellent at nothing. I'm mm-hmm. like master of none." And so when you look at people that are experts and really really good and like like savants. I am not that. I have kind of like, I can do like a jack of all trades kind of a thing. And I'm very grateful that I've gotten opportunities to try different things to kind of, you know, get that, those things in my tool belt. Cause it's been very, very helpful. Um, but I overall, like even now I oversee a, a large group of, um, staff members and the beauty in it is that my worship pastor is better than me. My first impressions director, she's better than me. My group's director is better than me. Hire people that are better. My missions person, she's better and more has more vision in how to be in the community than I ever have. And But my gifting is in resourcing them and pouring into them so they can be a better version of themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest thing is um, when people saw in me things that they didn't have, but they could help – You know, resource me to become better in that. So there was a part of the kingdom that could be filled that other people could not fill. So now I just have learned from that and tried to do that on my own.
0: Well, you said a couple of things that are so important, I think, in that is that you said people were willing to take the risk in you. To not see what you were at the current time, but to see what you could be. They had a vision for you, and that's something I think in church ministry, or whether we lead, you know, in in the secular world or wherever we're at, we're afraid to take those risks sometimes because we think it might not be great starting out. You know, they might make mistakes. They they might be a poor reflection in the church world. You know, if we let them, if we let the volunteers do the work, it might not go as we plan. Yeah. Um, but the beauty in that that when we do that, when we're willing to take the risk and then see people grow and flourish, mm-hmm. even in the midst of their mistakes and failings, but they continue along that path, what a beautiful thing to watch as a leader. But yep. sometimes we miss it because we're not willing to take the risk.
1: Totally. we. Uh, I think as a church culture now, we are looking for the dynamic personality. And so often you get the personality, but you are lacking the character. So what we should do as a church is look for the people that are you know, if, if you're into the enneagram, none of like we're the church is full of threes and eights. We need fours. We need sixes. We need fives. We need the whole. We need the whole wheel, right? So that people can see, okay, you, people have your blind spots that's what's really important and and we don't want to instead of hiring the people that are dynamic yes we need those but we can't just have all dynamic people we need people with character the people that are teachable people cuz you can't teach teachability you either can like you either are teachable or you're just not and so and self-awareness you either have it or you don't these are things that you can't teach and so you want to look for the people that maybe are not as loud but they can grow into something that is way beyond anything you could have ever imagined. So, uh yeah, I I'm a big fan of looking for the little things. If you look at how Jesus lived, his disciples, they are not they none of them that were Pharisees. None of them were in that time the superstars of what you would call a religious leader. They were the the school dropouts or they, you know, they just didn't even make it. And so they're call he's calling them saying Follow me because he sees the purpose and the the calling and the possibility in each of them. And so we should follow in the same way. Mm -hmm. It's
0: so good. And so often we hesitate doing that uh, for a variety of reasons. But we also, you know, we we also tend to think um, it's going to somehow take away from me if I elevate other people. I loved what you said that you've hired all these people and built a team around you that you believe is actually better Mm -hmm. and more competent and capable than you are. And I think especially for a female leader, that's probably unusual. Yeah. um because typically uh, a lot of female leaders probably especially in the church have to fight for their spot i yeah. put that spot in air quotes and then once we get it we think, okay, now if I give it away to other leaders or to other women, especially, then um, there's less room for me. And we get threatened by that. And I speak into that as an Enneagram for, I've, I've said on the show a million times that that is my nemesis. I have to, I, I envy is my, right, my character flawed. So I have to go towards empowerment and, and encouragement and um, be the first one to encourage other people and create that space. Because I know if I don't, um, the sin that bubbles up in me when I don't. And so I I just think, I just want to applaud you for that because I think it's unique and I think um, we need more and more of it and more and more people saying that that is the, one of the best ways to lead.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. I, you know, I am, um, I am not the most inclusive person. I try to be. I think the bigger thing is I, I have realized I've been there. I have felt like there's only one spot for a female and also minority for me. Mm, Right. And so when I'm in there um, earlier on, there's no other spot, but that's a complete lie. That is a lie from the enemy. Once, once one of us gets a seat, there's always more seats and we are either protecting the seat for us and another, I'm not saying that our competitor is a male, right? But it fills in with more of what's already there. Or we do a great job advocating and encouraging and we pull another one up. And so then it becomes more equal. It becomes more balanced. Yes. We want to make sure that the balance is there. Um yeah, and you know it, it, again, you look at just the 12 disciples and how very very different all of them were and that was clearly um uh, you know, on purpose. So we want to make sure we have more of that. That's great.
0: One of the other things you said as you were talking is, is this, I love this idea of um, character over competency, character over giftedness. I just had John Ortberg here yeah. uh, a few, what a gift and a privilege that was to have him here. And our whole conversation was focused around um, who We're becoming right, how that how God the work that God the most important work that God does in our life is to shape us into the people that we are becoming, not um, all the things that we're doing, not our resume. Mm-hmm. And yet, our culture today seems to have gotten that backwards. It's right. like you know, uh, so often, in this American culture we get that backwards. and. One of the things that I think is interesting about your unique position is you mentioned Mark Batterson earlier at National Mm -hmm. Community Church where you serve, and he is a person that um, we would consider today probably a celebrity pastor. I know I've heard you cringe at that term and some of your other, and I'm right there with you. I cringe also. Uh, It's an oxymoron, right? Yep. Um, But, you know, he's a New York Times bestselling author, just an amazing teacher, such a gifted guy. You serve alongside a team with him in the trenches of your local church. And I'm curious of how you have uh, how what's that like to work alongside him? And do you feel this tension at all with some of the things that you mentioned is is serving alongside someone who is so um, in the public eye?
1: Yeah. You know, what's interesting about, um, Mark is that he, why I signed on is because yes, he is absolutely a celebrity pastor, quote unquote, in his own right. Uh, but I signed on because he has so adamantly said he is called to the local church. So he does go speak out, you know, in in different conferences and different things, but more than the half of his time is at NCC at national community church. And he is the main speaker. He's the main teacher. We have a teaching team. I'm part of that teaching team, but he's still the main speaker and takes the majority of the weeks. And he is as he's plugged in, like, like his office is two offices down from mine. He is Mm -hmm. there all the time. And so, um, yeah, I just look at that and I say, okay, there's there's two types of quote unquote celebrity pastors, uh, or and I'm, and I have a lot of friends that are celebrity Christians, right? And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, unless you're that's what you're trying to be, because mm-hmm. a lot of them have become celebrities in a Christian world because they've done great work, and so if you're looking at someone going okay that is encouraging. I can be more like that. What is my version of that? That's incredible. And I think uh, Mark actually exudes that energy totally. Um, but if you look at someone who's there and say, what can I do to get there? Now that becomes idolatry. You're no longer focused on Christ. You're focused on a person that looks cool in this Christian you know, this, uh, world that we're, or this, uh, context that we're looking in. And I think that becomes, um, a worship of a human or a worship of a role versus the worship Mm -hmm. of our triune God. So, um, yeah, but Mark does not, I mean, people do come to our church to, to meet him because he, his writing has changed their life. So understandably, uh, he's incredible, but he doesn't he does not live the celebrity lifestyle which is why i just really i really look up to that and i really uh, i'm encouraged by that because it shows that you can still do incredible work without being oh even if you're famous whatever you're given just becoming more of who you are uh is is just the best way to go and he he definitely is that. And so, um, and there's a lot of people that are like that. I have, you know, there's unlimited, um, celebrities out there that I think are doing incredible work as Christians. Uh, and then, you know, I think for the rest of us, I think we have to check our hearts. Why are we, why are we wanting that? Even in a smaller version, like, especially with women, uh, do we want, we want to be on stage. We want to preach. Okay. Why is that? What is the heart of that? Sometimes it is a, no, we were created to, to, to share and teach. I am a teacher myself, right? But are you willing to teach in a small classroom? Are you willing to teach students or are you just saying, no, I want to teach on a big stage because I think that changes the context of really what you are wanting to do. And you can say with your mouth, it's for the Lord. I'm called to do this. Well, if you're called to do it, you'll do it anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not just on a certain platform that you're willing to do it. You're going to do it everywhere because uh, I've seen Mark do that one-on-one conversation or teach to a room of nine and he is all in. He pours in more with his staff than he does just like the people out in the world. And I think that's where the difference is made
0: that's so encouraging and i think such a message we need to be reminded it feels so countercultural <laughs> uh, even in the church today that that is that is sometimes missing or lacking at least in some of the people that we see who are pursuing platform but yet yeah. there's thousands th- hundreds of thousands of pastors out there who are doing the day in the day in um, day out work yeah. of the hard work of being a pastor which i think you know, I, I feel similarly to Dan Meyer, our lead pastor here. He is such an amazingly gifted man um, who who has a wide circle of influence and yet most of the things that he does, most people will never have any idea because he is a he is a pastor, he is a pastor's pastor, he is with people. Um he he is present. Uh, I so admire that about him, yeah. and so thankful that it, that a church like ours we have that also as our model and how yeah. important
1: that is. Agree, agree. I think a lot of times we we are focused on what we see on social media and on video because that's what's our world now. But um, what is really important is those that are kneecapped kneecapped those that the the pastors that are in their communities doing the work in on the local level because without that there is no community. There's no one-on-one experience. There's no, it, it, it's not fully real if it's just on a screen. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, mean, Dan is doing the work um, along yeah. with so many unsung pastors all over. And I just, those, that's the real deal right there.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Let's talk a little bit about your role. So you you mentioned this briefly, that you are the weekend experience pastor. Yeah, that's my title. Is, yeah. It's such a great title. I want that title. That's an amazing title. Uh, you oversee a lot of things. Um, but explain a little bit more about what that is, what that means, and why it's important.
1: Uh, so my title, I'm not even sure. I, the, we're, in the, we're in the process of talking through like is this the title that I do or what? Like title is just a title. Like what it comes down to is what you do. So originally the weekend experience pastor was to oversee the other staff, the other pastors that are, that have a, a, a feel for the weekend. Right. So, uh, we call it street to seat. So literally from the parking lot all the way when they get in to sit down and then, uh, you know, it's like whoever leads worship and then the production and then getting connected into groups. So all of that, uh, it has grown, it's shifted now where, uh, I oversee. So, um, I oversee the staff that is worship production groups, first impressions, um, kids, because that is, you know, family ministry and, um, missions, And there's like volunteer and levels underneath all of these guys, right? So um, basically it is – my title would suggest that I just oversee what happens on the weekend experience. But the truth is I probably function more like an executive pastor that is on a teaching team. So I um, am – I'm hands-on with my team so they can be hands-on with their their team who can be hands on with community. Not that I'm not hands on with community, but like we try to duplicate and so that there's more touch points instead of just one person is what it comes down to. It's it sounds like a lot. It's just uh it's more simplified than the the title itself. So
0: it does sound like a lot. It sounds
1: like a whole lot. Um, but again, points to your
0: giftedness and, and the team building that you're able to do and the way you're able to lead people, which is beautiful. Um, I want to press into this a little more. And I confess this is uh, here for our own local context here in at Christchurch we are, I feel like a little behind the game and the street to seat, you know, when you pull into the parking lot to the time that you experience a worship service and leave, um, that whole experience is how people are going to choose whether they're going to get plugged in a lot of times to your local church. And so yeah. we have, we have made that more of a focus here. Um, I've, I am the first impressions director here. It's the first time we've had that position and w- that, that title has created a lot of confusion here in the life of this church because it's just new and we' we're, we're ta- we've brought new language around it and I love to talk about it in the sense of just the hospitality that it creates um, sure. we can experience yes but also it's it is rooted in a biblical notion of hospitality and yeah. so I, I'm gonna just throw it back to you I don't know what the question I'm asking is there but help us. Help us understand as we are on this journey as a church of why this piece of the puzzle is important and how we can lean into it more together um, so that um, people can experience uh, the love of Christ more and more through this ministry.
1: Yeah. You know, I think what throws people is the title, right? So it is a first impression. So you're thinking impression. That's not a sticking thing. But the truth is in the society and in the culture that we live in, if you look uh, at the data, if – this is a while ago actually, so I think it's probably even less time now, but within the first seven seconds, if someone is not – connected or if they don't have a good impression, they're not going to come back. And it changes, it it just de- it determines the rest of their experience. So the first seven seconds, if they had a terrible experience, even if the rest of it is phenomenal, like the percentage is lowered that they would even be affected by that. Now, if the first seven seconds, and I, th- I read somewhere that it's like four seconds now. Good luck, Sue Ann. Good luck in your job because it's like even shorter. If you don't have, you don't have them captivated in that first right or wrong or indifferent. If you don't have them, you don't really have them for the rest of that. Our job as Christ followers is to invest in people. It's to love God and love others. If they don't understand that this is a place that they can be loved well, they're not going to, one, come in our doors that's a whole nother conversation. Like we, let's talk about missional, uh, like missiology too, right? Are we supposed to invite them into our doors? Are we supposed to be outside the four walls of our church? That's a whole nother conversation. Theological debate. It's beautiful. We could talk about it forever, but if we're talking about the weekend experience specifically, that first seven, now I'm going to say four seconds is imperative. So your first impression, when you look at the Bible, everything is about entertaining angels, is about being hospitable. The Jewish culture, this is what all of this came from originally, is a very hospitable culture. So if strangers would come in, they would give everything that they had to make sure that they were taken care of. And we don't have that collaborative understanding in our culture, in the Western culture, we're very individualized. So we have a different version of what hospitable looks like too. So as a church, if we are to be a reflection of a triune God that is in community with each other, we have to first create a a place where people feel that they can let their guard down. Everything in this world puts us on the defense. And especially Christian against Christian. Like we have not done a good job. Christians do not have a good, uh, you know, we, we just don't have a good reputation right now. And it doesn't mean that we're bad people. It just means perception is reality to the world that is not saved, that does not know Jesus. So what is most important? It's that first impression that can then bring them into a experience that can then bring them into a kneecap to kneecap conversation and a relational process that brings them fully into an development of a community of Christ followers. And so I believe the first impression is the most important. Now does it have to be on a Sunday? I no, but it, in a church context, yes. But this is also the first experience that you have when you let's say have your kids join a new soccer team. Are you on your phone the whole time or are you are I, are you making eye contact and talking to other parents? That is a first impression how are you reflecting Jesus in your daily, everyday life? And so this is just on a grander scale of what it looks what it looks like. So really, you know, we talk about once you get in the building, ushers are important, the food, coffee, whatever is important. But my thought, the most important part is your experience in the parking lot. So if you can't find a parking spot, If someone else cut you off and took your spot, like, whoo, like that could change your whole experience of your Sunday morning. And so it's most important, like the waivers on the street, how they're coming into the parking lot. Those are the things that I'm thinking are the best starters when it comes to first impression. I don't know if that's what you're asking, but that is what I've processed through, even in my time as a first impressions pastor. So.
0: Well, it's so good, no, it, and it's so helpful because it's it's newer language. Like I said, it's a newer culture here for us at Christchurch. Not that we're not hospitable and not that we're not welcoming and not that we won't, don't um, do all of these things that our heartbeat is not to do all of these things, but we've started to look at um, exactly some of the things you're talking about to say, but are we doing the best job that we could be doing in the parking lot? So everyone's who's listening to this, I'm going to be recruiting a parking lot team soon. So
1: get ready, sign up for that. The parking I don't lot know team to- is the most fun, honestly, every single time because they get walkie talkies. We've had, I, I'm not telling you to spend more money, but we've had like, uh, when I was at Life Church, we had uh, golf carts. Because there are oh, yeah. people that cannot walk and kids love being on golf carts, you know, just stuff like that. Having that time to have a, a chatty person and, you know, welcoming them in the golf cart is like fun too. And so, yeah, it is important. The parking lot team is, in my opinion, the most important. Love it. If we can figure
0: out how to get people to volunteer in January in Chicago in the parking lot, I will feel like I have really cracked a code. Yep, yep.
1: We've spent quite a bit of money on hand warmers and gloves and, like, logoed coats yeah. and, like, yeah. So yeah. –
0: I love it. Well, and the thing that that gets me excited about as we talk about all of these things is is really we're trying to get people to think about, we're just trying to remove barriers to Jesus, right? We're trying. So when people get into experience, the preaching, the word, the message and relationship that we've done everything we can to take away and remove those barriers that ushers people to the feet of Jesus. And so it's just like anything, when you know the why behind it, when you have the vision, then the steps behind it um, make a lot more sense.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah. So, Jenny, speaking
0: of, let's go back to National Community Church, the context you're serving in. You are, um, so you're you're the you're on a campus called Nova, mm-hmm. which is Northern Virginia, right? Yes,
1: it's short for Northern Virginia. Yes.
0: Great, but you're in the DC metro area. Yes. Okay, so you are serving at a church in the DC metro area. Um, at, at one of the worst times, uh, politically probably yes, that we can <laughs> charge that we are right. Yep. You are a woman, you are a Chinese, uh, American woman. I would imagine that you are, um, there's a lot of contextual things coming at you each and every day. And I'm just wondering if you could speak into a little bit more of the context that you serve and how those things have shaped you.
1: Yeah, you know what's interesting though is um, the DMB, which is DC, Maryland, Virginia. We call this the DMB area, is pretty diverse. And so when you look at me, I don't stand out because there's a lot of a lot more of us. Um, when it comes to the church world, though, I would say the the um, attenders, there's diversity there, and there's less diversity maybe in the staffing or in the leadership. Um, I don't in any way feel like I am not supported on my staff. I don't feel that. Um, but I do feel, uh, alone often. I am the only female, uh, Chinese female, Asian female on staff. And so, that, uh, that does, and also at at the level that I'm at where I'm like teaching and I'm managing people. So there's, uh, it's just different, right? We, so there, you know, I, I, for anybody that is not, um, a white American, there is something, you know, we have, um, like I'm always shifting in how I am responding to people. Am I responding in my cultural, my cultural context of understanding, or in the cultural context of where I am currently, uh, my body currently is? And that's what I usually live in, uh, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It is just something that I'm aware of, and I think I became more aware of it, especially um, with COVID happening, and you know all the stuff with COVID coming from you know, Wuhan, which by the way, I'm not from there. I'm born and raised in Seattle, but I remember going to the grocery store and, you know, we had our masks on and people telling me to go back to where I came from. And I'm like, well, first of all, I can't get on a plane right now. But second of all, like I, that is just a very ignorant, you know, context. And I think as a lot of it actually came from people that were, I think the, the, the core of it was fear. But it came from a place, mostly from Christians. It was Americans that were very like, you know, we are Christians and this is a Christian um, country, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, if we're talking back to, if we're going to pull all this together, we are, if Christians are saying we are what we are, we are supposed to be hospitable, loving, other-centric people. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm not... um and, you know, I also was in that moment trying to protect myself and not as much caring about how other people were feeling. I think a pandemic showed us how fractured we really are, not just as a country, but but I'm not trying to get political, but as a people that say that we are Christ followers. And so I think we need to reset, like, what do we really worship? Who do we really worship? Is it an empire? Is it an empire of the United States and a freedom or is it the kingdom of Mm -hmm. God? Because they are not the same thing. So that's what I've experienced a lot, Um, you know, especially being in the Capitol. I mean, my office is in D.C. We're on Capitol Hill. And so very much of everything has been – it's empire. It's our country. But also what's really beautiful is because we've been, this church is, NCC has been around for over 20 years. I think it's 25 years. And we, it's not new that we have both sides of the aisles, like in our congregation. And they've been able, everybody's been able to say, okay, yeah, we believe these things and we want these things for our country. We want diversity. We want these ideals. Yet when we come together on Sunday, we can Mm -hmm. worship together as one because there's a bigger, there's a bigger story here, and so I think that's something that we have done well in the past. The last three years has been a bigger struggle. I think there's been other narratives thrown in. There's different fears. Uh, not that we're not doing well. Not that we're falling apart. But you know, I still think we can all do better overall. I think it just is a different. It's not different than what your experience. It just is a different context. So mm-hmm. it's maybe in a more like a louder version of it, Uh, and maybe in some ways it's less loud because it's something that we've dealt with for a long time, being in the nation's capital. So I, I don't know fully how to answer that question as much as I know that it's something, it's not like it's only here. It's everywhere that we're experiencing it.
0: Well, I really appreciate that answer. Thanks for your vulnerability with that, and just uh, it hurts my heart to hear that that's been your experience. Especially, uh, you said coming from other Christians, I have a really hard time understanding why and where that comes from, especially within the body of Christ. That um, comments like that, attitudes like that, there's just no place for it. And when you really understand to your point who Jesus is, what He came to do, uh, where our allegiance falls, yeah. the bigger story that we are part of, it, it grieves my heart that the church is a place where um, people experience some of the most hostile words mm. and attitudes and yeah. um, to their and express that to their brothers and sisters and I, I have a hard time understanding it I understand human sin I understand our nature I know we're not perfect yeah. um, I know when people are different from us or um, that that sometimes we have misunderstandings and I can understand that and have grace for that but just open hostility and ignorance I it's just I I am sad that that is the state in some of our churches today and yet hopeful at the same time that as we continue to move towards this bigger story that God has called us to, if we dig deeper into that and understand it more, that that will become less and less.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I know that you guys are bringing in Carlos Whitaker too. He's actually experienced, he's a friend of mine. He's experienced things different, um, different contexts, but similar in just the whole racial thing, you know, and here we are people that just love Jesus and we're not perfect in our ways in any way, shape, or form, but we want, um, you know, we can't control what we look like. We can, we can't control where our heritage is from. If anything, it makes it more beautiful. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I would love to see the church and this includes me. I'm not saying this to just the church, except no, everyone except me, like including me, how do we lead with love better how do we love god love others that's the first and foremost everything else it's it's how we interpret it how we understand it and, and it's not really as important so yeah the church just kind of needs to we got to re we got to circle up and kind of figure out where we're going because yeah. uh, i think there's a definitely a, a fracture in, it in itself
0: Yeah, what's interesting right now is I'm, you are a fuller student along with me. I'm taking taking a class this summer on the book of Romans. And I literally just have been writing a paper this weekend about this context in the book in Romans between the Jews and the Gentiles and the hatred that those two groups had for each other. Even after they, um, you know, had become believers and had to figure out then yep. how to merge these cultures, how to how to live together um, in a peaceable way without saying, "Oh, but my way's right, your way's wrong," right. um, and just this this ingrained hostility towards one another and and how. To your point that Paul is just calling them to the love of Christ, I mean that's what he calls us over and over while we were yet still sinners, Christ died yeah. for us and and that includes you and me and everybody on the face of the earth and yeah. and when we have that vision, and that's the story we choose to live under that's what starts to change our hearts but it's interesting to me that this is a problem of sin throughout the history it of is. the
1: time it's not new it's not new, and it's like what it comes down to is that do you is what do we worship? Do we worship a God who created us or do we worship our culture? Because culture is important, but does it become more important than what the gospel is? And if the answer when we dig down and we, we you know, we're saying, oh, because when, when two different p- t- people are coming together and they're um, bumping heads, it really comes down to them saying, my culture is more important and my culture is right and yours is not as right. Well, what what is the most important culture is the culture of the kingdom of god right and so we need Amen. to go back to that and i i we yeah we just get we get lost in things that are not as important yeah, yeah too you know I do it regularly yep. same on a daily basis
0: yep same and it, I think talking about it and confessing it and yeah. continuing to lay out this bigger story and and who our master is is what the conversation the church just needs to keep having together to to paint the vision of where we need to Um, go together. So thanks for saying that so eloquently and and as your experience and part of your story as a pastor and and just um, walking through life as you do. So I appreciate that. Thank you well Jenny we are about out of time I am now more excited than I've ever been for you to come <laughs> preach uh, it's so to great see to you and for other you know for our congregation to hear you and the people who are not part of our congregation but are hearing uh, just getting to know you and hearing your story right now thank you so much for sharing it I mm-hmm. I just have one last question for you it's the That's question good. that I ask everybody that comes on deeper still uh, we call this deeper still because we really believe that um, God is is always at work in us. I mean, just what we just talked about, there is always uh, a place in us and multiple places in us where God continues to work over and over to change our, our character, to transform us. And sometimes just when we think we have something figured out, God calls us to go deeper. And then we're like, oh, okay, you know what? Now I've got it figured out. He says, no, uh, I need you to go deeper still. Yeah. And so what's an area in your own life right now where God might be calling you to go deeper
1: still? Mine is really seeing the person for who they are, the grace part of it. Uh, there's a lot of us that are not the same and everybody gets on everybody's nerves. This is very, very in line. It might be in line because I'm experiencing it. So maybe that, that's why it pops up, but really looking at the person through the lens as, as Jesus would see them. I don't think that we do that enough. And so the deeper still is biting my tongue, listening, Uh, my background is counseling. So uh, just really psychology and just thinking, okay, what's coming out of their mouth might not be what they're meaning, but what is the deeper meaning? And so trying to truly hear them and understand asking questions to understand more instead of trying to be heard trying to platform their voice so that you can understand more I think that is where I am trying to lean in deeper still uh, for for you know we look at how Jesus walked and he asked a lot of questions and I think we don't ask enough we want to be heard we want to answer questions well, let's flip that narrative, let's flip that script, and let's ask more questions and, and, and choose to be a people that understands versus a people that fights to be heard. So that is where I am at the most. Um, and with that comes a lot of um, realization that I am not resting well. So I'm not Sabbathing well, and so if I forget who my Lord and my Savior is, everything goes out of alignment and so it really starts there of being still with our creator mm.
0: such a great answer so much wisdom throughout this whole conversation such a beautiful soul you are jenny so thanks again so much for taking time out of your day Absolutely. to be here with us and we can't wait to see you in a few weeks
1: i can't either it's gonna be so
0: fun so fun we'll see you then and uh blessings on your next couple of weeks and uh, we'll see you when you get here all right see you then well, friends, I'm so glad you joined us today. As always, I hope you were encouraged by the conversation. I hope you were challenged by it. I hope that something Jenny said, or maybe something I said in response today, is exactly the thing you needed to hear. It's why we do what we do. So again, I'm so glad you joined us today. If you want to know a little bit more about Jenny, I would encourage you to look her up on Instagram at J Clayville and see what she's all about. She's super fun to follow. Uh, better yet, come meet her in person or hear her preach live here at Christ Church in the Chicago suburbs when we welcome her to our pulpit as part of our Summer Light series on August 20th. You can hear her at our Oak Brook campus at 9 or 10.45 a.m. We will also be streaming her to our Butterfield location at 10 a.m. So I'd encourage you, come check it out. If you want to know a little bit more about Christchurch and what we're all about, you can visit us at Christchurch.us. As always, remember to subscribe to Deeper Still on your favorite podcast platform, leave a review, share an episode with a friend. It would be really encouraging to us. And of course, it's always fun to continue the conversation with others. We'll be back in a few weeks with the lead pastor of Christ Church, Dan Meyer, one of the best human beings we know, as we catch up on what he's been up to this summer, as well as his thoughts on our fall sermon series, which you won't want to miss, on the life of Moses. We'll be traveling through the book of Exodus. There's going to be a lot of good lessons there, so don't miss that. Come back and join us. Um, We would love to, again, continue that conversation with you. Until then, I hope you have a great day. Go in God's grace.